Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Have your way in us. Have your way in our gathering, Lord. We lift your name on high. We exalt you, Lord. Thank you for being in our midst. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because you're here with us. Thank you for the spirit of revelation, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding. Lord, we bless your name for your word. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Uh, our topic today for this lunch hour is the spirit and deliverance from earthly powers. The spirit and deliverance from earthly powers. We are going to look at our passage in Acts chapter 22, verse 22 to 29. Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 22, verse 22 to 29. Acts chapter 22, from verse 22 to 29. The Bible says... And they listened to him until his word. They listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scorching so that he might know why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scorch a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, Take care, what you do for this man is a Roman. What you do for this man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. And the commander answered, With a large sum, I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, but I was born a citizen. Then immediately, those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. Praise the Lord. Now, this, is, uh, this past passage is happening at a point when uh, Paul, who was Saul, had converted, he had he had a divine encounter with Jesus. Remember, he was a great persecutor of the church, and he converted, and so he was sharing his testimony. He was sharing his testimony and telling them how he converted and how the Lord had sent him to the Gentiles to, uh, with a special message. But along the way, the people got angry with him, 
and he was uh, attacked. He was arrested. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to do away with him. And Paul is reminding them that I was like you. And I was once a persecutor. And so I want to tell you what happened to me. So he went ahead and explained to them that he's actually a Jew like them. But our topic here is the spirit and deliverance from earthly powers. I want us to understand first what earthly powers are. What are these earthly powers? Luke chapter 4 from verse 6 to 7. Luke chapter 4, 6 to 7. Give us Luke chapter 4, 6 to 7. The Bible says, And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. And I give it to whoever I wish. Praise the Lord. Next, uh, verse 7. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Now, what is this power that he will give Jesus? What is this power? Is it anointing? What was Satan referring to as power? The kingdoms, the systems, the governments, he called them power. I will give you and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whosoever I will, I will give it. Do you know what Satan was actually saying, telling Jesus? That in heaven you drove me, but this one here is my territory. He said, I have influenced the governments, I have influenced the systems. This one belongs to me, including the systems in religion. They, they all belong to me. This is what Satan was telling Jesus. Satan is not aware. He said, he's not aware that Jesus is the word made flesh. He's not aware, he's not unaware that Jesus is the Logos. He is the word of God. He's not unaware. He knows that. He's very aware who Jesus is. But is coming to remind Jesus that the systems of this world, the earthly powers are under my control. I have influence. So you better negotiate with me. You better negotiate with me so that you can have influence. So if you, if you, if you Jesus, you want to lift up somebody in this earth, then you cannot bypass me. You have, to, you have to pass through me. And that is exactly what Satan was trying to tell Jesus when he was tempting Jesus. The Bible says he, he made him see a glimpse of the, all the kingdoms of this world and its glory. And the question is, who, where did Satan get all this power of the earth? Where did Satan get all his power? Personally, I used to think that Satan got it from Adam. Yes, it is true he got the keys from Adam, but how did he get the governments? How did he get the systems that he has even entered the systems of religion, the systems of this world, and he's under control. 
To a point that he says that all this is my own. That's what he told Jesus. He told Jesus, all this is my own. He knows Jesus created all things were made by him. But he's saying, all this is my own. And I will give anybody I want to give it to. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. I want to show us the background of how Satan came to own these things. Ezekiel chapter 28 from verse 14. This was a story uh, of what we call the pre-Adamite dispensation. This was a dispensation, a dispensation before Adam. The man that we all know, Adam. So the Bible says that in Ezekiel, the prophet is giving us access to revelation. And he's speaking about the king of Tyre whose life parallels with that of Lucifer in the days of his glory. Now, I hope you know that Lucifer was created by God. Lucifer was created by God. Is that true? We all agree with that. Yes. And, and the Bible acknowledges that Lucifer, the Bible acknowledges that he was a cherub. Lucifer was a cherub. And a cherub higher than the realms of angels, there are levels of angels, and cherub was the highest. Because of this time, the mortal man, Adam, was not in the equation. So after God, directly after God was, uh, was the cherubs, or the cherubims. Under the cherubims were the seraphims. Then the seraphims, uh, where the angelic cadres, and then they, we had the humanoid species that existed within the civilization. And that was the organogram, and then there's a description of what they call Lucifer. It says in verse, take me back to the scripture. It says, you were the anointed cherub who covers you were the anointed cherub who covers. That word covers, it means influence. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. So, Lucifer was anointed. The Bible says that he was anointed. He was perfect, created perfectly. Every angel of God has a will. Satan, too, has a will. There is nobody in heaven and on earth that is serving God by force. They can choose to rebel. That's why Satan chose to rebel. Praise the Lord. Now, God himself has respect for, 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 for his rebellion, Satan. But when you make whatever decision, whatever decision you make in your rebellion, remember there are consequences. Now, anointing is given, but the anointing, the Bible says, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Satan was anointed, but that anointed was corrupted. Anointing can be corrupted. Even today, we have men and women of God who are anointed, but the anointing is corrupted. So it's not that because anyone has been anointed by God, they are okay. 
anointing can be corrupted. And we need to know that. And Lucifer's anointing in the presence of God, which is the epicenter of heaven, Satan influenced a third of the angels. One third of the angels in heaven. Where God himself dwells. And the power of that anointing that Satan had imparted something on the wheels of these angels. That the angels were able to say, we are ready to go with you, Satan. We are ready to leave God and go with you. A third of the angels in heaven. I don't know how many angels, thousands of angels are in heaven. But Satan was able, with his anointing, to convince one third of the angels in heaven. So the, the, the anointing had influence. Even with the presence of the 24 elders, Satan was not ashamed. He went ahead and convinced a third of the angels to follow him. Thou anointed cherub that covers, he had influence. So can you now see that how through his influence, the anointing of influence, how he managed to, to, to win over the governments and the systems of, uh, of the earth. And actually, to tell you that Satan doesn't fear to bring his influence in religion, to control it, Satan himself went to Jesus Christ. He, when Jesus went to fast and pray, after the fasting, that's when, Jesus, when Satan came, and he came to remind him that I am still anointed. Though I am corrupted, the anointing, the anointing is corrupted. So, anyone you want, he's telling Jesus, anyone you want with influence is under my care. There is an anointing. Remember, I was the light bearer in heaven. So, let me show you the power of Satan. Satan, the power of Satan is not just in witchcraft, because that's what many of us know. It is not just in witchcraft. The power of Satan is in his ability to capture the wills of men. The power of Satan is in his ability to capture the systems of this world, including the systems in religion. The systems of governments. So, that is where the power of Satan relies. And when we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, Paul was watching a vision. In a vision, he came to, uh, to write this, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty for pulling down strongholds. So it's not just about demons and spirits, because a demon is in the wilderness. Remember when Jesus was talking about when you cast a spirit out of somebody, then that spirit will go into the wilderness. So the spirit goes in the wilderness and doesn't find anybody. It went in the wilderness and there was no human will in the wilderness. And, and he said that I need to go back to the place where there are human wills. Because in the wilderness, there are no human wills. So that's why Satan God comes back again with more wicked. Why? Because uh, there are human wills with uh, a person. Now, Satan controls the earth by controlling the minds of people and controlling systems and controlling governments. 
despite all this, the Spirit of God is still mighty. You know, Satan rises in what we call positions and power. These are places of influence. That's why many people today are dying to have what they call high positions of influence and power. And many people have compromised, including in Christianity. Many Christians have compromised for this thing called position and power. This is the primary temptation that Satan brings to a leader, be it a church leader, be it a political leader, be it a business leader, the temptation of wanting power and positions. Satan can all of a sudden become a giver. He says, all these kingdoms and its glory, I will give you. I own them. And he's telling Jesus so. I will give you. So, we need to uh, we need to be careful that even though Satan controls the earth and controls the minds of people and controls systems, do you know that there are people before they get into a higher level of influence and power or position, they are very committed to God, 100% yielded to God, submissive to God. But when to get, they get into the positions, uh, Satan starts to influence they, they leave a room for Satan to influence their minds and through influencing their minds they influence systems are we together there are many people who have been affected by systems in government systems in religion not because that was the will of God for them but there's, a, there's always a room for compromise somewhere. Now, the Spirit of God is our helper and also our deliverer from the hands of corrupted earthly powers. Corrupted earthly powers. All these powers, like I said, can be corrupted. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 8. There's another example. Second Chronicles 32, verse 8. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 8. Aha, uh -huh. this was the story of Ezekiel. Hezekiah told his people, within him, it says, with him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Now, what does flesh mean according to Hezekiah? Because Hezekiah was attacked by the Assyrian king. They were attacked and uh, Hezekiah made a statement after gathering his people. He said, with him, is referring to the earthly power, the Assyrians. He says, with him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. There are battles you don't fight with flesh, flesh to flesh. That's why Paul says that uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Because the earthly powers, that is, the, they use the arm of flesh to fight. But he says for us, 
the one who, who is with us is greater. He's the Lord. He is the maker of that flesh, their arm. He is the maker of their flame. So there is no need to worry. He fights our battles. So, our God is the spirit and only God is mighty. Only God is mighty. In Isaiah chapter 31 verse 3. Isaiah 31 verse 3. We read that Isaiah 31 verse 3 about the great uh, prophet Isaiah who was a friend of King Hezekiah. He said about leaning on the arm of the flesh. How dangerous it is. He said, uh, now the Egyptians are men and not God. And their horses are flesh and not spirit. He's referring to earthly powers here. The people that control systems, the people that control governments, they, they, they control. And says, now the Egyptians men, they are men and not God. They are just mere men but not God. And their horses are flesh. They have horses to make them go in speed and not spirit. For us, we have the spirit. Their horses is also mere flesh. Mere flesh. But for us, we have the spirit. I think uh, we remember the story of Elijah and Ahab. When Elijah was with Ahab, and the Bible says the, the storm came, the clouds became dark. A great storm was coming. So his colleague Ahab jumped into a horse and took off so fast and left his friend. When Elijah remained, the Bible says, the power of God came upon Elijah. And Elijah ran on foot and bypassed the one who ran with the horse and went ahead of him. Now, it looks, it sounds like fiction. Because you know how fast a horse is. Is that true? You, a horse is so fast. A horse has serious speed. But the spirit is the master of speed. The spirit, you see, they have horses. But the horse is not spirit. We have the spirit who is the master of horse. Ahab had a horse. Ahab had a horse. He went ahead of Elijah. Elijah had the spirit. He never had a horse. But the spirit was a master of speed and made him run ahead of, of Ab, who had a horse. Praise the Lord. So, it is, we don't lean on the power of flesh, but on the power of the spirit. The spirit, the power of the spirit has the power of what they call the power of speed, the anointing of speed. That, for example, you can be here and you feel all your colleagues have gone ahead of you. Everyone has gone ahead of you. But I want to tell you that when the spirit of God comes upon you, that spirit comes with a grace for speed. Grace for speed. That you, you, those who were, all those who went ahead of you and they're trying to achieve something in 10 years, they are trying to achieve, it takes 10 years for them to achieve something. For you, it will only take one year. One year. 
that is the grace for speeds. It's something that you can't explain carnally. Praise the Lord. Now, again, we see something with when David was going to be anointed. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Something very interesting here. First Samuel. Chapter 16, verse 1. says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Saul was anointed, yet corrupted now. And the Lord had rejected him. His corruption affected the system, probably of religion at that time. So he said, I have rejected him. How long are you going to continue mourning him? Now, get up, fill your horn with oil, and go, I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Next. The next verse. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. Now, the man is already fearing the system. When the system, when the anointing is corrupted, the system can be dangerous. They have sent the man of God to go and anoint, but he's giving, he's saying, if Saul hears, he's going to kill me. He's already fearing the system. That's how dangerous they can be. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord next then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you uh, what you should do. You should, uh, you should anoint for me the one I named to you. Next. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled, and he's, he's coming. And said, do you come peacefully? And he said, peacefully, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Next. So it was when they came that, they, that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see, him, uh, see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Now, remember all these children were consecrated, apart from David. So when... Uh, the man of God sees the first person. He, go, he gets excited because of the outside appearance. And he is almost uh, led to want to anoint him. He is about to misappropriate anointing. Because of physical appearance, he's about to misappropriate anointing. Because of not hearing the spirit, hearing from God, he's about to misappropriate anointing that can easily affect destinies. Until when the Lord rebuked him. And then he asked, Is, do you have any other son? He said, yes, there's one who is in the bush. They said, we are not going to sit down until that person comes. And they stood, waited for David to come. David. And the Bible says, 
he was later on anointed. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 17, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. This is the danger of leaning on, on, the, on flesh, human arm, human flesh. You know, there are people, the Bible says, the Lord casts, it says, that says the Lord, cast is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. And he will not see, for he, sh for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness, a salt land inhabited. There are People who are always tempted to put their trust in human flesh. For example, your trust is in human flesh in order to have promotion. So you end up compromising. The devil can tempt you to a point of compromising in order to please human flesh to, get, to be lifted, to be promoted, to go higher in your destiny, to go faster in your destiny. You, you begin to rely on human flesh. But he said, cast is the person whose trust is in human flesh. Cast. He said, you will not see when good comes. Good will come, but you won't be able to see it. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So, Hezekiah told the people that God was with him that God was with them, all of them, to fight their battles. And St. Cherub had said, no God, this, this is what he said, St. Cherub, the, the king of Assyria, he said, no God ever delivered anyone from my hand. Earthly powers. No God has ever delivered anyone from my hand. No one survives in my hand. But I want to show you that God is powerful. God had these boastful words that, that uh, were being told to Hezekiah. And God said, I'm going to teach this king a lesson. I am here to help you. So before, but we need to also notice that before King Hezekiah made a, a faithful statement, a statement that says that God is with us. The one who is with us is greater. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles, the previous chapter, uh, the previous chapter in uh, chapter 31, chapter 31, 2 Chronicles. In, that, in chapter 32, he gave an assurance that they should not fear. These are mere men. They are not God. In 31, verse 21, 2 Chronicles 31, verse 21, the Bible shows us how King Hezekiah first sought the Lord. He sought the Lord. But I'm going to read it in the, this version. The message version says, 2 Chronicles 31 verse 21 says, Everything he took up, whether it had to do with worship in God's temple or the carrying out of God's law and commandment, commandments, he did well in spirit of prayer, prayerful worship, he was a great success. Now, the Spirit of God is responsible for the glory of God upon a person that guarantees influence and deliverance from earthly powers. What is 
this manifest presence of God called Shekinah, the manifest presence of God upon somebody that guarantees someone uh, a breakthrough, a deliverance from these earthly powers. It is the influence, the manifest presence of God is the influence of his person through his spirit in and upon a believer. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 to 3. Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3. Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3. Says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, let me read in uh, Amplified. It says, Arise from the depression and the prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Praise the Lord. So, it says, arise and shine, for the glory of God is risen upon you. For the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, and your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is also risen. Now, give me the next verse. The next verse. It says, kings shall come. Uh, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and death's darkness, all people. But the Lord shall arise upon you to Jerusalem, and his glory shall be seen on you. Verse 3. And nations will come to your light, not to you. Nations will come to your light, not to you. Nations will come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Not to you. Not to your light. But kings will come to the brightness of your rising. It, those with earthly powers will come to the brightness of your rising. The brightness of your rising. Now, listen. The end time church is going to advance the frontiers of the kingdom not only through evangelism and discipleship, but it will come through what they call influence. Influence. And the kings shall come to the brightness of your rising. Nations shall come to your light. Acts chapter 12 from verse 1. Quickly. We are going to learn what influence of the spirit is when it comes to earthly powers. It says, now, uh, we all know that the disciples of Jesus were in different levels. There was, we had those ones who were at 70 or 72. We had the, the disciples who were 12, but we also had those ones who were three. Those ones who were three, they saw things that the rest did not see. And Satan marked every one of them. He started by beheading James. It was Peter, James, Peter, and John. He started by beheading James. 
And when he found James, he beheaded him. And the Bible says, uh, give me the scripture. Now about the time, Herod the king got the next, next. Then he killed James, the brother of John, and the sword. And because he, was, he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was the days of the unleavened bread. Continue. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but cost... First, take me back before there. Now, here, imagine, Peter was the next person to be, who was going to be killed. They had planned to kill him. The system, the powers that be, had planned to kill him. He was next on the list. The Bible says when he was arrested, he was put in prison. And they put two chains on him. One on the hand, another one on the leg. And he was sleeping in between two guards. Two guards. What were they looking for? To the point where you, you, you tie someone with chains and make him sleep in between two guards. This was an attack on influence. Now the next verse says, give me the next verse. But constant prayer, no, continue. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Constant prayer. Unfortunately, this was not what was done to James. The church didn't pray for James, but for, it was not recorded that the church prayed for James. But for Peter, the Bible says, constant prayer was made for him. Intercessory prayer was made for Peter by the church. Now, let us see the results of the prayer. The next verse. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison next. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly! And his chains fell off. Now I want you to listen. Chains, you know very well chains don't have ears. It took human earthly power and strength to tie chains on Peter. But when it came to time for untying, the angel just says, arise! The chains which don't have ears started untying themselves. That is what the spirit can do. They untied themselves and fell off his hands. Just on the word, arise, get up quickly. Now, next, let's continue. The next verse. The next verse. Then the angel said to him, guard yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. Next. So he went and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first gate and the second guard post they came to the 
a gate called Iron. Now, after the man left prison, it looked as though he was free. But he wasn't yet free because there was a gate. When he passed the first gate, it looked like as though the man was free, but the man was still in bondage. He had to again pass the second gate. Now, after passing the second gate, the Bible says they came to a gate called the Gate of Iron, which leads to the city. The Iron Gate, which leads to the city. And my Bible says that he has broken the gates of brass and cut asunder the iron bars. So when they reached at the gates, the city gate, do you know that the gate opened by itself after seeing them? A gate that it takes human earthly energy to open. It just opened by itself after seeing influence coming. The influence of the manifest presence of God upon Peter. The gate just obeyed and opened. Let me tell you, there's what they call a city gate. Every man's, every man's city is a place of his influence. Spiritually, cities have gates. Spiritually, cities have gates. You cannot... City gates in themselves don't have anything that closes them. Like, this, like Kampala here. They are, they are gates of Kampala. But they don't have anything closing them. But you can enter a city and you think you have worked physically successfully, but the city will show you that you are not invited. So it takes high spiritual illumination to be able to command authority even in prayer. The foundation of effective prayer is to access the mysteries of the kingdom. If you know the mysteries of the kingdom, you will, when you have spiritual illumination, you will know that you don't just enter into places. I remember when we were preparing for the Jubilee. We did a, a prayer walk at daytime in the different streets. Then again at night, we did a prayer drive on the city gates. City gates. There is a mystery about the gates, the spiritual gates of a place. Territories have spiritual gates. They have gates. So anyone that controls the gates of a city has controlled that place. That is why Samson had to lift the entire gate when the enemies were there waiting for him at the gate. He carried the whole gate and went with it. There's something about the gate that anyone that, that has, has influence over a city, that person has control. When you have influence, because in a city, there are systems. In a city, there are government powers. There are authorities. There are earthly powers. So, this can be a business person. You can be here. Many of us here are doing businesses. Many of us here have schools. You can, you can decide to go in a city and put your business there. But you, you can be physically established in business. But spiritually, the city has not recognized your business. And you can be there struggling, seriously. You can even be a minister. You can even be having ministry. And then you go and put your ministry in a place. That ministry will struggle. Unless you first deal with the issue of the spiritual gate. So we, 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 you need to be uh, spiritually intelligent on this. And this is through prayer. We must pray. 
The Bible says, uh, Gideon just blew a trumpet. And over 30,000 people who were hidden came, appeared. After just blowing a trumpet, a shofar. And you ask, where were all these people hiding? So there is something about the anointing of God that, that the Spirit of God himself brings upon someone. Upon someone. We all need the manifest presence of God upon our lives. There, there are seasons of attack in a believer's life. All of us here, we have gone through seasons of attack. If you're a believer, I want to guarantee you, the, a time will come, season will come when you'll go through attack. But in that season of attack, or the season of pruning, or the season of making, those are seasons where you don't need to compromise with prayer. That's the season where you need to go into deep spiritual emphasis. The seasons of prayer and intercession. Psalms 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord had him. He saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers him. Prayer is a powerful weapon in all seasons. Let me tell you, regardless of what level of attack you are having, you are not going to win that battle carnally. And if you are, if, you, if you, God has given you a spiritual position, some of you, you will be lifted. One day, God is going to give you either political position, either a position of influence somewhere. But don't ever compromise with the devil and start to persecute. Start to persecute the people of God. Never compromise. Paul himself, who was persecuting the Christians, the same thing happened to him. But God saved him. God delivered him. Praise the Lord. So we should rise in prayer like never before because it is only in prayer that the presence of God can come upon our lives. Pray like never before. This is not a season where you say now, Lent has passed. Season for seeking God is over. No. We have to rise up and pray and seek God like never before because battles are on. The battles will continue coming. Satan doesn't fear even coming to church. If he came in the presence of Jesus Christ to tempt him. In fact, he took Jesus to the pinnacle of the church. Pinnacle of the church is like the highest position in religion. And he's saying, do this. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Those are positions, earthly positions. He said, I will give it to you. If you compromise, if you compromise. So, Jesus overcame all the earthly powers he did. He overcame. In other words, you can also overcome. You can also overcome regardless of the pressure. Some of you, it is the pressure maybe at work. Some of it is the pressure in ministry. The pressure is intense. You are persevering. But stay in the will of God. Anything that is not in the will of God that is trying to suppress you, let me tell you, the Lord will fight for you. And he said he will deliver you. He says he encamps, the angel encamps those 
whose face are looking unto him, the author and the finish of our faith. He said their faces are radiant. Physically, your face might not show that it is radiant, but spiritually, the glory of God can be seen. And that glory of God is influence. And he says, as it is shining, kings shall come to the brightness. Shall come. It is influence. Things don't, people don't just come. Things don't just happen. The world we are living in today is so wicked that you need to be so spiritual to know how to respond. Otherwise, Satan can make you fall in a trap of responding carnally. Yet he says we don't wrestle. The Bible says we, we, our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Please, if you're a Christian, abstain from carnal battles. Abstain from fighting carnally. Abstain from fighting carnally. Because Satan had to find a way to Jesus' camp. He entered Jesus' camp and found Peter. And Peter had to stop, trying to stop Jesus from his mission. He entered Judas. So, if Satan can still find a way of entering Jesus' camp, what tells you that it won't stop Satan from entering your church, your denomination? What, what do you think will... It won't stop... Satan, let me tell you, doesn't fear the presence of God. What Satan fears is what the presence of God can do for you. That's why Satan can even come to church and sit with you and even share the grace. He can come to church. That is why you realize that in some cases you find during praise and worship, everything is okay. During testimonies, everything is okay. A time will come all of a sudden and deliverance starts to take place. Then you realize all along Satan has been here comfortable. So Satan doesn't fear the presence. The Bible tells us that Job was busy minding his own business. At the same time, consultation was going on in heaven. Who was at the presence of God? Satan. Inquiring about Job. Now Job doesn't know he's just there. But all of a sudden, things started falling apart. He thought it was just physical. Praise the Lord. So let us rise up. It's the spirit that delivers. And it is by prayer. It is when the church prayed that Paul, Peter, got delivered from the hands of the earthly rulers, the hands of the earthly powers. The same God today, when you pray spiritually, the prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit will deliver you from any battle against earthly powers. Any battle against earthly powers. Friends, I want us to prepare our hearts before God in evaluative meditation and see how you responded to some of the battles you are having. Battles with human beings. How were you responding to it? Was it how God instructed you to do it? Was the way you responded to the attack in your life, the battles in your life, was it showing that this is the will of God? Just speak to God in your heart and tell God, 
I totally give my will to you, my soul to you, that I choose not to fight carnally. I choose not to fight carnally. Using the systems of the world to fight the systems of the world. No. I choose to see things from your perspective and to trust you, God. I choose to trust in the power of your hand, the invisible hand. I repent, God. I repent from relying on human flesh, human arm, human arm. Forgive me for compromise. A compromise in order to please human flesh. Father, I arise. We arise in your light. You said, arise and shine. We are ready to shine forth your light. We are ready to shine forth your light. The light of your influence. The light of the influence of the Holy Spirit. We ask you, God, let the influence, the manifested presence of you, God, be upon us. Your presence, let the Israelites at daytime and even at night, God, let your presence be with us. Even though we walk through the battles of this world, the battles of systems, God, we will not be afraid. We will not worry. We will not worry at all because greater is he that is with us. Greater is he that is in us than them, than that which is outside us. Oh, we surrender. We say, God, we will rejoice in your might. We will rejoice in your strength. We will never be afraid. We will never be discouraged because you fight for us. And in the name of Jesus, anyone who plots evil against you, may judgment come upon them. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.